This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, the show about all things design, from the creative side to the business side and all points in between. Follow the show on Twitter at Wes McDowell. Want the gang to answer your question on an upcoming episode? Send in your listener question to questions at thedeependdesign.com or via Twitter using hashtag DGDC. Here are your hosts. Wes McDowell in Chicago. Mikkel Morrison in Seattle. Nick Longo in Los Angeles. All right, all three of us back together again this time. We missed you last time, Mikkel. Sorry. Of course. Reunited and it feels um, so good. <laughs> reunited and it feels okay, I guess. But <laughs> we have, yeah, we're, but, um, we're just two seconds in. <laughs> right. Okay, so um, before we get started, I do want to remind you guys to, because um, we have there's a problem on iTunes that I can't seem to fix with the feed where I think it only shows about the last hundred episodes or so. Mm-hmm. So if you ever have a hankering for the back episodes back in the early days when we knew what we were doing even less than we do now, <laughs> um, you can, or the pre Nick. Yeah. That's good. Cause if, if you, if you are a Nick hater, go back, go back to the beginning. I tell my students that I'm like, Just if kidding. you want some real nuggets of information, yeah. You got to go back to the, the, the first few years. <laughs> yeah, the back in the beginning. But um, so the way you do that is you'd go to the deependdesign.com and then you'd go to the the podcast tab and just go there and you got to scroll all the way down and you can find the old ones that way. So they're there. They just don't show up in the feed. So Apple. Anyway. Crazy. What's up? What's up, you guys? We're recording this on a Friday again and uh, we got the Friday juices going. Yeah, yeah I like that. I feel My it, mom right? is on her way. Um down to have like an afternoon visit and she goes can i listen to today's episode live in the car on my way <laughs> yes we're on the yeah. we're on npr mom <laughs> oh mom, my god moms don't understand podcasting no it's okay. no it's it that was i think my mom still thinks it's some question, kind of a don't you think yeah I, yeah my mom has to ask every time she's like what what's what's this podcast again i think they think it's like some kind of a Online photo gallery or something. I oh, I have uh, my fr- my friends asked. They're like, "Wait, I don't understand it." I listened the other day, and they're in other cities. Do you, where do you guys meet to do the podcast? I'm like, "Are you kidding?" Me? Iowa. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, just right dab in the middle of the country. <laughs> That's where Isn't all that the podcasts funny? meet. People are yeah. funny. Well, yeah, I just audio mom really similar to radio show, but releases after the show. And not live, right. unless we are. That's the only way that I figured out how to explain it. It's just yeah. yeah. I'm just... Well, you people listening don't need to podcast because you're pro. Because you, you're, you're here, but just laugh along with exactly. Us. <laughs> but um, so, something exciting. So Mikkel and I are going to meet up in person tomorrow night. Whoa, um, very cool, guys. Yeah. Are you are you yeah, in her so neck I'm of the woods? Be, I am going to be in Seattle. Yeah. Um, this is where I gay out. So I basically, <laughs> I got tickets to go see uh, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, the musical, world debut at uh, the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. So, And why um, would your girlfriends turn that down? So right. I'm in. Exactly. 
It's a Mikkel it's a play. was there for me. So it's a play. Yeah, it's oh. a musical based on. So a little bit. Of, I mean, this is going to bore all the people that aren't into theater, but Fifth Avenue Theater is um, one of the places where pre-Broadway musicals will go to try to um, work out the kinks before they go to Broadway. So right. like Hairspray debuted Precursor. there. Precursor, if you can. Yeah. Uh, Aladdin debuted. There are a lot of big ones that went on to Broadway cool. started at that theater. Cool. So. We'll be uh, some of the first ones to see it, and we'll report back next Damn. time. Damn, I think a little live coverage to add to the end of this episode might be maybe your reviews. Wouldn't that? Oh, that you should do that. We will. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll add we'll add a little something to the Instagram. So fo- be sure to follow us on Instagram. Oh my god, drunk, I want to see drunk we'll, reviews. Yeah. Okay. We'll post some. Uh, we'll post some good stuff there. Oh, for sure. Pressure. I'm, I'm on it. So what's the up? funny thing about saying oh the pressure is that there's no pressure for that at all. It's terrible. <laughs> Oh, we'll be drunk regardless. No, yeah, so not not a, not a not a problem. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> what about you, Nick? What are you What are you mm. up to this weekend, or what's going on um, with you? It's a work free weekend. I think I'm hoping. I got Ooh. like fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Very good. Yeah. Things are good. Like it's the weather's kind of nice. So um, school's out. Um, the funniest thing is, it feels like it does feel a little like summer break. You know, when you when you teach, and it's it's kind of cool. But like I've all the things I've been wanting to. I, like little things around the house, like having the bathrooms redone, all these like cool little things. Cause I'm like, I could be home for this. This is awesome. This is where I love having my own business. <laughs> yeah. No, there's yeah. something to be said about how you can kind of oh, rearrange damn. things. Yeah. Or be there on- when someone, if someone, uh, someone's like, Oh, we can only be there from this out. I'm like, I could be there at that window. I'm yeah. My, isn't that cool? Just fire up the home office and be good. So I'm just trying to get things right. done, man. I, it feels great. Yeah. Uh, but it's been really and for good. all the 20 year olds listening. This is what it feels like to be an adult. Yeah. What Nick just described that this is adulting. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Installing shower doors on a weekend. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's living. Exactly. That's life in the fast lane. <laughs> that's living with an apostrophe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. How about you? So you're you taking... know what else is living? Oh, I was going to ask, are you taking off tonight to oh. head over to? Yes. Tonight. Good deal. You cut off my brilliant Sorry, segue. Man. But yes, I, what... leaving tonight uh, was originally going to go first thing in the morning, but I fly standby. My mom's a flight attendant. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but take advantage. Um, baby. So I always have to. I have to be very creative with the flights I take. So. Good for you, man. That's gonna be red awesome. eye. Yeah, red eye to the. Except red eyes don't really work from east to west. No, you basically just end up getting there in the no. middle of the night versus yeah. in the morning. So, yeah. God yeah. bless my friend Mia, who's picking me up at two thirty a.m. Yeah. So you know who Yay, else? Hey, good at girl, Mia. Good girl. Yeah, and you know who else? God blesses is Skillshare.com, baby. <laughs> they're there at 2 a.m. every morning. Yeah. They're there. No. No joke. Like, if you want to learn something at 2.30 a.m. or 3.30 or on or a plane, anytime, maybe you are up and brain-absorbing mode, <laughs> you're going to go to Skillshare.com. Um, it's it's an amazing platform just to learn new things. So just for, for instance, I just saw a really cool class on there called Designing Logos That Evolve, mm. which caught my eye because it just looks super interesting to be able to design a logo that can change over the years in a thoughtful way. Yeah. Cause you know, you're going to every logo you design, you know, it's going to be changed anyway, but this kind of it, it's built in, like it gives you that framework to do that. So, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're obviously looking to keep learning so you can be a more marketable designer and make more money. So Skillshare is perfect for you. Um, it's an online learning community with over 15,000 classes in graphic design, illustration, uh, how to run your business, all that good stuff. And you can learn everything from logo design to visual thinking to more, um, you know, just artistic endeavors such as painting, that kind of thing. 
classes are perfect for the professional designer like you looking to get a leg up at work or the freelancer who wants to attract more clients and build their brand. And Skillshare teachers, this is great, include working designers with actual experience. It's not that uh, 15-year-old kid. YouTube video his, in his basement. YouTube, where we just got the techno music blaring and uh, <laughs> nothing, no words. But some of the teachers are, you know, Debbie Millman and Aaron Draplin, one of your favorites, there Nick. You go. So that's He's cool. got a whole bunch of classes on there. Yeah. And cool. you can get unlimited access to all this for a low monthly price. And never pay per class again, which is great. Um, you know, and I'm putting together a few new videos for my site. And there's, I found a class on there specifically about creating a one-minute content marketing video. That's a that great really one. Helpful. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, just how, it just, it's great how they drill down and just teach you how to do exactly what you need to learn. Um, there's really something for everyone here. So anyway, Skillshare is giving our listeners a month of unlimited access absolutely for free. Can't be free. So go to Skillshare.com slash graphic to redeem your free month. Again, that is Skillshare.com slash graphic. And uh, just go and learn some stuff. Nice. Like we do. All right, cool. So this episode is going to be a bit of a piggyback to last week. We talked about, you know, SEO knowledge that the designer should know. When designing a website, you should kind of bake it into the process. And this time, as we kind of teased last time, we're going to talk about ways to optimize mobile websites, Um, not just from an SEO point of view, but just all around to make it a good user experience. Because I don't know if you've read the latest stats, but basically they're saying mobile accounts for anywhere from 50 to 70% of all internet browsing. Um, And when you talk about uh, B2C sites, you know, business to consumer sites, that number jumps to about 85%. Wow. So crazy. It, it wow. needs to be a priority. Yeah. Um, you know, in mobile op- optimization, as we'll talk about, falls into two basic categories that we'll talk about. User experience is one, meaning just it has to be a nice experience for the user that doesn't make them want to kill themselves. And then <laughs> page load speed has, makes a, a big difference as well. Yeah. So we've got kind of a checklist here. Of a bunch of different things you'll you'll want to keep in mind as you design these mobile sites, um, you know. And there's a little bit of, I it really is going to depend on the site and who the end user of the site is. You you can kind of tell through research which sites are going to be more that should have more of a desktop focus, yeah, versus more of a mobile focus. Yeah. So let's just put that into context for a second. So let's say for like, for instance, I keep coming back to my one of my sites that I'm designing for a client now, about to go live. It's for an insurance company. Mm-hmm. Their end user, it, it's a B2B site. So their clients are businesses. So that right there, like people are not going to be looking for their insurance cover uh, provider via mobile, mobile that much. Yeah. They might kind of do some initial research that way, but when it comes time to actually pull the trigger, they're most likely going to be on desktop. So for that, you probably want a desktop first approach. Yeah. But then um, I'm designing another site that's much more B2C, where it's kind of an e-commerce site, and I can just I know who the end user of this is, which is primarily, you know, women from 25 to 35. That's going to be heavy on mobile. 
especially since we're um, directing people there a lot through Facebook ads. Yeah, and that's where they're so, going to be to begin with on exactly. mobile. Exactly. So, right. So we know going in that we need to probably take a mobile-first approach with it. Got so it. things to keep in mind. Um, you know, so let's just go down the list here, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it. And you guys feel free to stop me and Chime ask in. questions as you want. Sure. Yeah, so the, so the first uh, kind of category here would be basic mobile optimization. So um, the first thing to talk about is responsive design. So, and I'm sure you all know about this, it's basically that where a website will kind of naturally break down um, from more complex to more simple mm-hmm. and yeah, fit that the window. Yeah, translation, yeah. Yeah. So Google, there's there's many different ways of making a mobile website. Actually, there's only like three, but um, one of them involves making a totally different site that kind of redirects to the mobile site, which is kind of, you don't really need that. Mm-hmm. Um, what Google actually recommends is the responsive route. So it basically just degrades nicely and hopefully gracefully yeah. as you go down yeah. into smaller and smaller windows. So keep that in mind. And as you're designing, you're going to want to, you know, what I do, I don't design for all the different breakdown points, but I do design for desktop and then mobile. And then my my yeah. developer is usually pretty good at kind of coming up with that those midpoints in betweens in between yeah exactly yeah. um I, I'd love to see some stats about iPads these days by the way I, yeah um, I, I yeah. feel like I don't see them as much anymore well I think you're right yeah I, just I think tablets um, tablets in general yeah and now that yeah. like I, I I gotta admit I I've switched to the seven plus and I was always with the smaller iPhone but I'm using my iPad a lot less because this thing sure. is right in I between. I found that to be the case too. You know, yeah. and I, yeah. my iPad is literally for presentations now. And and yeah. it's funny how Interesting. So I think the mobile and then plus the mobile's with you all the time and I think the iPad is with people all the time. So maybe the numbers are yeah. are true. I I I'd love to see them too and where a tablet is right now, hmm. you know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like I see people using them less. So mm-hmm. I, I generally, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I tend to not really focus too much on what's this going to look like exactly on an iPad? Because I just, Me my developer figures out those in between. Very parts, seldom, but, yeah. And I've noticed yeah. too, a lot more sites now. It used to be a, a, a mobile site would almost magnify on iPads or tablets, whereas now a lot of times, I'm assuming this mm. is because of HTML and not, and everybody's finally gotten off a of flash. Sometimes an iPad <laughs> browsing looks just as good, if not the same exact as the desktop. You know, it, it's, not that, mm. it's not that bigger magnified mobile looking site. It's actually yeah. full featured. And, and so, yeah, I think it almost, it almost is categorized as desktop in a lot of ways, probably. And that's why mobile is yeah. still so separate. Yeah, well, it depends. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that I can see, like, I don't ever look at my sites that I design on an iPad, but I look at, I can you can kind of simulate it by making the browser window smaller. And I when, I can definitely see a, a, a shift when it gets to about that tablet size. And then things both, will yes. do a bit of shifting. Yeah. It's not quite as small as it is mm-hmm. for mobile, but it, it's, a, it's a middle ground. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. So, and I think there does need to be some kind of a difference um, because I think, you know, it's... As far as... If it's just the interface. desktop... If it's just the desktop getting smaller, it might not look right and if it's the mobile blown up it might not look right exactly, so yeah it looks like something you know missing. it's that goldilocks thing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so um so the second thing to talk about is page speed now this mm-hmm. is important obviously because um you know they've, they've yeah. done a lot of research and they've said that the average 
mobile browser uh, will close out if it takes longer than three seconds. And that's yeah. And especially because yeah. you can see when the, the, the progress bar. People just bar. don't have the patience. And if that progress bar is stopped, yeah, you're you're gone. I, I don't even. Yeah. It's on to the next thing. Yeah. 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 So they keep in mind, like, and it, when you're on Wi-Fi, it's a different ballgame, mm-hmm. but you got to keep in mind that they might just be on okay. their their data plan. Yep. Using it if they're out in the wild somewhere. So it's, it's really got to be um, really lean and mean to load quickly, no matter where they are, you know, with reasonable expectations. Like. Every time I go on like a lake vacation, there's absolutely no nothing. There's no saving a site there. Yeah. But, but you know, if when in when in town, when in city, it mm-hmm. should be it should be able to work. Um, and so things like that we talked about last week, like um, you know, make sure size. the images are smaller. Um, make sure you're not using a whole lot of uh, animations mm-hmm. and stuff that kind mm-hmm. of bogs it down. These are these are the biggest things to think about. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is hosting speed, and that makes a difference. So. Um, these days, I'm not really sure like who the the really shitty hosts are. I feel like it's everyone's, everyone's probably there. stepped up their ball game a little bit. Yeah, but um, but if if you're noticing that your site is loading slowly, you might want to look at this or have your developer or whoever look at the host side and make sure everything's loading. Yeah, I had properly a I had there. a friend that his website every time I went to it for some. Uh, inspiration or whatever it had a and he had two or three different sites and i knew they must have been with the same hosting thing there was like a three or four second lag and i brought it to his attention and and he went and changed his host and that completely eliminated the issue right off the bat Hmm. and Hmm. and i just thought it was too too you know common that like all three of his sites did that same thing so it must have been and I think that's the interesting point about everything you're talking about in these first three is we're almost used to them when they work perfectly now. You only mm-hmm. it, it you don't like applaud anybody anymore for being really fast because that's what it should be. It, the only thing you do is you yeah. highlight when something's really slow. <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think most of the hosts have kind of worked out yeah. their their kinks because I remember back in the day it was a lot of talk of like oh ninety nine percent uptime, but mm-hmm. and I think a lot of hosts still kind of tout that, but. I've not noticed how how often do you go to a website where it's down? I know very very rarely. Yeah, and, that, that's their you know. main issue. They that that's like the biggest problem. They always say is like we never want to be down. Like that's what you hear yeah. them say. That's their commitment. So you're right. Well, yeah, particularly if you've got a client who's like making big time e commerce oh, sales. Shit. Yeah, every every minute they're down, For they sure. may be losing millions. Mm-hmm. You know, so oh my gosh, keep, yeah, and then you might get sued. So don't do that. <laughs> Um, it's so funny so, that you brought this up because I just, I just, and maybe this can be safe for a different conversation. I, I just am in the process of revising my business insurance for that liability mm-hmm. protection because now I'm shifting into more clientele that's requesting host management. Yeah. Web host management. Oh, okay. And you're on the line for that. I, right. It's my ass if the, if. The site goes down. Okay. So. Yeah. Insure yeah. up. Lawyer up. Yeah, right. And <laughs> sign here, please. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Anyway, so the sorry next... for that. Same oh, way. no, it's good. So the next main thing is uh, going to be homepage and site navigation. So mm-hmm. the first item under that is keep calls to action front and center. So this is a good user experience kind of thing. So as we all know, the call to action is the most important part of any web page. Um, 
you know, that we know that now in 2017, that's every page should have one single goal and that's the, the call to action. So what I like to do on mobile is I, I do this for almost every client, including my own site. I like to have a, a fixed footer on mobile that doesn't take up too much vertical real estate. It's, it's pretty understated, but it should be a bright color. Mm-hmm. So they always, so they don't forget it's there, but as they scroll down the page, they can always click that button. So whenever they've got enough information to finally like be motivated to click it, it's right there. Got it. So that's that's just the way I like to do it. But hmm. I'm sure there are other ways you could keep yeah. it in a header. Um, but I, I like the footer. I like because I think your your thumb is just kind of naturally right there. Yeah, you're, you're if, right. if you are scrolling, you it's know? closer to the bottom. I would say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Just a little pro tip, and don't um again make sure it's brightly colored and it doesn't blend in. With the background, the CTA is never a, a time to be subtle and, uh, you know, what's the word? I'm like delicate, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, keep menus short and sweet. So basically you're going to, whenever I do a mobile menu, it's usually in that little hamburger icon mm-hmm. at the top, top right of the, the header. Um, so what, what you're going to want to put in there is all the main menu items that so when we think about normal desktop navigation we always want to have a main navigation and a secondary so the only put the things in the main navigation that are truly um relevant to conversions you don't need to put the privacy policy up there yeah. you don't need to as its own as like its own as its own pillar you mean right right and i don't even like to put too much stuff in the header i like to put Ideally, you actually Three. put nothing in the header. Ideally, it's like a landing page. Like yeah. that's kind of the that's the train I'm on these days. Is you want to have enough information on that page to properly persuade. Um, but if you must have a navigation, just keep it to the the bare minimum essentials up there. Yeah, and that's basically the same kind of stuff you're going to want to have in that mobile menu. And if you want to have everything you have to list it in a hierarchy from most important at the top yeah. to, and if they're going to have to scroll down, like it shouldn't be anything that they need to get to down there. How do you feel about if that the makes submenus? It's fine. It's a little trickier on mobile. Well, yeah. Just because you're right. you have yeah, to, because everything, you know, when, when I do a mobile menu, it's pretty much all uh, in line. Yes. Like under, underneath, underneath, underneath. So then, the way that generally works is let's say you have a, a services tab mm-hmm. with like all their different services underneath it. So the way it works in mobile is you already have to click once to get to see the menu. Yeah. Then you have to click services. And then from there, the choices drop down, which is fine. Yeah. But um, sometimes there's no way around that. But the thing is, if let's say you have that same menu on desktop, let's say on the, your main navigation, you have services and that's got some drop downs yeah. underneath it, a sub menu. Then you've got an about us and a contact us. Let's just say it's those three things. What I would like to do on mobile, and I'd like to see you guys do on mobile, is instead of having services and touch it to drop it down, just break out all three or four services in line. Perfect. So you just have to go right to what you want. That, yeah, because like sense? you're saying, you if you already have to hit that button to get the menu, and then you hit services, and then you get another, it's like it's almost too too many clicks just to get to that one area. Yeah, so in line. And it's not the end of the world, yeah, yeah. but it's just, it's one of those things to think about when you're designing for mobile. Got so. it. 
you know, don't don't make them click too much. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next thing is make it easy to get back to the homepage. Um, it's you're dealing with limited real estate on a mobile, so yeah. Um, either that means breadcrumbs up in mm-hmm. the usually it's like in the top left, or for the homepage, um, the, sh- the the best shorthand for that is just the logo, logo right? But I logo. So what I do on mobile is I have like a little fixed header usually. Um, top left is the logo, a small version of the logo, and you tap that, go to the homepage. And I think we're in, whenever the other clients side ask about the breadcrumb thing, I never know what to say because doesn't it seem a little outdated now? Well, it's it's I don't ever I mean, like the look of it. Purpose but, is useful. Yeah. You know, but I know. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's outdated because, again, it's it's all about usability and ease of navigation. Yeah. It does always bump me. It always looks a little like the I know. beginning days of the Internet. But it does. It does. Until we have a better way of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, in a way to get around that, it doesn't work for every site. But, again, landing pages. You have people click around as little as possible, and you're not going to have to deal with that you're right. as much. If everything's on that, that scroll. Of the landing yeah. page. And it's not always going to work, by the way. Like, but that's it's, not it's a, it's always a, a ever going to work. Yeah, but. it's a target. And, yeah. I, and I think, too, I think it's funny how um, initially we are now we, – we are trained in that way to know that if that logo still exists in the top left corner on a header, I, I am intuitive to know that that's going to probably bring me back to the homepage. Like, you know what I mean? So I think that's just intuitive now. We think that way, mm-hmm. that that's going to get us mm-hmm. back to the homepage. Yeah, and I think as time goes on, more and more people are kind of wise to that. So, exactly. It's same with the hamburger icon. Like it's yep. one of those things that we're learning. It people now know what it means, especially on mobile. It's a little iffy on desktop still, but do, um, do you still keep a home? If you hit the hamburger icon, is home still on the top of the list? In your opinion, at that point. Well, I actually don't do that. Um, and here's here's why. Here's another reason why too. Um, there's a school of thought that says the homepage is kind of dying. Got it. I I use it a lot for. It depends on what the purpose is. Again, but um, generally, like okay, so it depends on if you have a good SEO purpose or a good um, um, way to drive people to the homepage mm-hmm. for a certain thing. But what I like to do generally is have a landing page for everything. Yeah. So. It's not like as if we really want to get people back to the homepage, but true. Um, but this on this list, it does say you know give people a quick way to get back to the homepage. And I, so, and I think you're right in a B to C differing schools of thought. A B to C site, I, I'm really never in needing to really go back to the home. I think if you are shopping on something or whatever, search is probably the first thing you're going to click on to to mm-hmm. if, if you found something and you put it maybe in your cart. The next thing you're going to do is just hit search or hopefully some kind of a hierarchy of like where you, you know, the departments, if that's all you need of where you're shopping on that site. So you're right. Like in a situation like that, I don't think it's really important to go back to the homepage. Yeah. You know, it, it just depends, depends on, on what uh, you're doing. on the purpose mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And you know, and people do know how to use back buttons. It's not as <laughs> if you have to, there's that's, that's another thing, a usability issue that a lot of people bring up is being really crucial. It's like, you don't want people just using it depending on the back buttons. I say, I say, why not? I think it's a perfectly good thing to depend on. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows how to use them at this point. So, yeah. The internet's been around for a good 25 years, people. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> that, but, um, that's the first thing. We will get to the AOL. search thing later. <laughs> yeah, they're still on the, 
<laughs> still on the prodigy. prodigy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look that up, kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So the next thing is uh, don't let promotions steal the show. So that's a good one. So basically, I'm so sick, and especially on mobile, of when you get to a site mm-hmm. and you get that big pop-up. The light box? Right away. Yeah. Yeah. The big pop-up right away that wants you to give your email. I can't stand it either. I can't stand it. No. I mean, and there's there's a way to do this properly. Mobile's a little trickier. The only time I ever really like to use one of those pop-ups is an exit intent pop-up, which... So like on desktop, that means they know when you're heading back toward the back button to get out of the website. And then it hits you up with one last offer. Like, hey, yes, don't go now. We'll give you this if you stay. Mm-hmm. But it, on mobile, that doesn't work because there's no it's, cursor scrolling up toward that button. The so interface of it, mm-hmm. it ruins that in a way. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So So what they do instead is they just, hey, welcome to our website. Here's a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just e-commerce you know, more specific. I mean, it's just, but it's bombarding. It's in your face, yeah. and it's obnoxious. Like what I would maybe recommend if you're going to do this. And the thing is, like, I, I would love, I would love to see the studies on how this works on mobile. Desktop, those pop-ups actually do kind of work. They increase conversions when used right. I would say if you're gonna do it on mobile, maybe use them strategically. Like, let's say someone's looking at a product. And they're, they've been looking at it for a minute and they're deciding if they want it. Mm-hmm. Maybe then you hit them up with a little something, but yeah. mm-hmm. don't make it a total page takeover. Make it a, like what I would do is make it a small pop-up that maybe pops up from the bottom, maybe like not even mm-hmm. quite halfway up and make it easy to kind of swipe to get rid of it. Um, but it's obnoxious when it takes up the whole screen, right? Yeah. And, that, and, and a lot of like really awesome reputable brands do take up the whole screen. It's shocking. Yeah. Well, and maybe they've done the math and maybe well, it sure. actually works, yeah. but um, it's still a bad user experience in my opinion. And there's a better way to do it, you know, by just making it a little less in your face. Yeah. It's like that douchebag car salesman <laughs> is even following you online. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like they used to just follow you around the lot. Now they're right in your your browser. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So now uh, we were talking about search. Here's the the next main topic is all about site search. So the first thing is make site search visible. Mm -hmm. So what this means, what Nick, we were talking about earlier, um, one of the most important things for e-commerce especially is to be able to quickly search for what you need. So make sure that that search box is either visible right there or no more than one click away. Um, what I do sometimes is if, if I know that search is going to be important on a site, um, what I tend to do is I, com- I have an icon that I use that's a combination menu and search icon. So it's basically got the three lines that denote menu, mm-hmm. but then it's got a magnifying glass kind of overlaid on top of it. Um, so if you push that, you know that you get the menu and you get a little search box. Right. So that's how I do it. Small, you might you may decide you want to have um, a search box, and that's not how I would always do it. If it were much more dependent on people searching for products, let's say, I would probably always have that open. I'd probably have that on like the bottom footer or on the header somewhere. That'd be smart. Where you don't yeah. even have to click to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And 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 it, so it's locked as you're scrolling. It's always on the footer, or the header, or the header however yeah. you decide it should be. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next thing, fairly obvious. Make make sure that your site search results are relevant. So whatever kind of logic you have to use, there's nothing worse than going on a site and you type in something and there's really nothing for it. So then it just gives you a bunch bunch of shit that maybe it's kind of tangentially related. Yeah. But the better thing to do would say you know, no search results available, but how about this instead? Yes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. it's just confusing. Right. Um, so, and then the third thing is implement filters to improve site search usability. So um, let's say in this sake, for the sake of a product, again, so you, you have a search box, but, um, you know, people will type, let's say they're typing in uh, luggage in there. They want to, they want to find luggage on Amazon or whatever. But what Amazon does is once you once those results come up, they allow you to filter through those results to find the best luggage for you. So you can filter based on price, color, size, and it's going to depend on the category, obviously. But having providing filters is key. And like, so I just um, got done with the design phase of an e-commerce site. It's for really high end, stylish uh, salon shears. So, and there's as it turns out. I got an education on styling shears. There's like a bunch of different categories of them. Uh. And there's a bunch of different price points. They go from like, and this particular company is high end. So their lowest price point is like 250 and it goes up to like 1700 from there for, wow. for scissors. Wow. So what we had to do is we had, and what they've got is just, you know, 20 different cat, like families of shears. So basically you're looking at all these pictures of different shears. Hmm. So it's like, you're going to look at it and be like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. Like the that shear looks like that shear. Yeah. Right. So what we decided to do is make a filter box on the side that really allows people to find the one for them Yeah. to take the guesswork out. So based on handle type, based on length, cause that's important. The length depends on like what kind of use you're using it for the length matters for that as it turns out. So giving them lots of different ways to filter and then, Oh, here is your shear for you. The one that you need. So it helps and it's going to increase conversions for sure. If you can kind of direct people that way. Yeah. I've always think that's the most helpful thing. If you're looking at something like you said, that is a complicated product and there's so many different things to narrow down in the filter process. And even like, yeah, gosh, I mean, Amazon's a perfect example of it. And imagine how, much they do that for almost every product they sell. You can search, you can filter that down by brand name, by type, by size, you name it. And you're right. It, you, you end up with the, exactly what you need based on that. Yeah. And pro tip, if you're ever looking for like a way to handle any of these things, like look to Amazon, look to places like yeah. that, that have invested tens of millions of dollars in the experience into researching yeah. and it, yeah and it, yeah it's not the best looking site in the world but guess what it doesn't have to be yeah it works yeah and it's it gives people just an easy experience so seriously whenever you're stuck don't try to reinvent the wheel do it do what the big guys yeah, do exactly okay so the next main topic is about commerce and conversions so the first one there and this is a big one the people kind of don't like to do because they want people to give over their email address. Mm-hmm. They want to, they always want them to sign up, but let users purchase as a guest if they so choose to. Yeah. Like there are so many times when, you know, I, I do a lot of online shopping. So, um, 
the worst thing is if you're in a hurry and they want you to create the account, blah, blah, blah. And it's nice when they like allow, allow you to create an account using Facebook or Google, Google or something like that, that works out pretty well. It's a nice shortcut, but also give them that option to check out as a guest. It's fine. You're like losing out on a bit of a a lead there, like a email address you can market to, but it's better to get that conversion than not. It's funny how the Um, guest thing I think uh, is, I feel like it's probably there for more people who are not too comfortable in online shopping just yet. In a way, too, you know, like I think I had always used the guest thing because you just didn't want to. You felt like your credit card might be saved or something. You know yeah. what I mean? The conspiracy. Yeah, theorists. exactly. But yeah. now I get the I get the value in it specifically if it's a place that you go back to. But I do always I I, I love when someone does give you that guesting. You do end up having to put your your email in for like that confirmation. But I guess you're not putting in a password, right? It's you're still a guest, meaning. They have not, they, mm. they don't, you're not going to get bombarded and always make sure you mm-hmm. de- deselect that, you know, add me to the, the, the mailing list. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. always there when you hit guest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? um, and so the next thing is use existing information to maximize convenience. So um, for instance, there's several ways to do this. Um, like we were just talking about, you can, there's that new, there's that plugin that allows you to um, have people sign in with their Facebook or with their Google account. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way to use their existing information. Another way, which I just did for that same shooter website, um, what I did, I, w- I took a lot of inspiration from the casper.com oh, yeah. uh, checkout process. They've, because, they've done a nice job on theirs. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's, it's the, the way they make it so convenient is amazing. Basically, what you do is you start typing in your address and they know where you are. They can kind of figure out your location. So they ty- they finish your address for you. Ah. Like you type in like you type in you start typing your street name and they fill it out and then you click on on it and then it not only fills out that but it fills out all the rest of it, the city, the zip code, all that stuff. Mm. So that's just cuz think about when you buy online, it's such a hassle typing all that shit out every time. Yeah. So, and then it's like we know your sleep habits and you need a hard bed. <laughs> You're like, "Wait exactly. a minute. We watch you sleep." <laughs> but um no, but so I I so I gave um I'm giving my developer notes, we need this. I assume it's a plugin that does that. It's just some kind of geo mm-hmm. you know navigation tag thing. But um, whatever that is, we want it. So yeah. that's that's a great thing to use. Um, the third thing, use click to call buttons. So by that, so another thing I like to do. Remember how I said on the footer, I'll have the little the CTA, the main CTA. And sometimes, if it's the kind of business that they want phone calls, I'll have a little button next to it that says call, call now, or however you phrase it. So it's just you click it and it calls. Nice. them right there yeah so they don't have to input a phone number um there are different ways of doing this some people just have the phone number in the it's the a top link. right corner of the header and it's just it's always a link yep. but I, if you if your client wants calls like let's say you're doing a restaurant website or something like that or a salon or whatever yeah you want that click to call button and yeah you, and you want it to be prominent because in some cases that is your cta yeah and i, I mean you know? i've even noticed in um as a business Instagram profile, it has a um, call shows up on your profile page now as a click to action, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So yeah, you're right. I think we're, we're, again, this is another thing that we're so in tune with now is so many people are doing this on the fly that 
it just it's a one button to call rather than having to jot down a number or even copy it. You know what I mean? It's like, why not? It should be as easy as that on your phone. Yeah. What is this, 1997? Yeah, I know. No, what is this, 2004? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we have iPhones now, man. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing for this one is make it easy to finish converting on another device. So um, this can be tricky and it won't work for everything. But like I, I think about a site like Amazon again. So when I'm on Amazon on my phone, I've got the app, but I don't. I think if you were to do it on the on the the website, it would still work. Where you're logged in, and I think in order for this to work, the person has to be basically logged into the site. Yes. You so do. where you yes. can. That's yeah. the only way that I've been able to use it. I don't have room for the app, so that's exactly what I do. Yeah. So basically, what it does, you can add something to your cart on mobile or on desktop, and then when you go on the other side. Right. If you were if you were on mobile and it you go to sinks. desktop, it's still in your checkout, right. which is great because then it makes it then they don't have to redo it. So right. whatever plugin that uses, uh, yeah. you should you should go and get that one because yeah, you're you're just going to lose the conversion if it's if super you handy. automatically take it out of the cart. Like you want that stuff to stay in the cart, man. Yeah, totally. So the ne- yeah. Okay, so the next thing is form entry. Uh, and the first one there is streamline form entry. So um, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about before, about having things autofill when possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you just want it to, and you want it to be, um, so when you're doing forms, here's one of the main things to think about, and it should go without saying, but some people have big thumbs. I have very dainty thumbs, so it's not a big problem for me. <laughs> I have very... Um, girly hands i suppose but <laughs> some some men have big thumbs that you have to like and this goes for buttons and everything too but you what you never want to have happen on a form on mobile is you click it to to fill out you know this particular form field and you end up clicking the other one mm-hmm. so you want to what i always do is whatever i have the the height for a form field on desktop i always make it a little bigger for mobile um and I'll test it, and I'll just make sure, like, I'll just look at it and make, okay, that seems like about the right height. But you definitely want it to be big enough to be easily clicked. Goes for buttons, too. Um, the next thing is choose the simplest input method for each task. So not everything is going to be a form that you have to, a field you have to fill out yourself. There might be ones where you input the text yourself. There will be drop-downs. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it might be preferable to have, you know, radio buttons or check boxes. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. think about what would be the easiest way of inputting this information. Like a good flow. And go with that. Throughout the entire piece, right? Yeah. Like, let's say there's one section where you'd have to make one of two choices. Is it preferable to have a drop down yeah. or is it where they have to click once and then click again, or is it preferable to have two little options Got with a, a checkbox next to it? Yeah, again, I think we, you know? we tend to appreciate when you see a really good one that allows you to click through something very fast for the first time. You know, yeah. if you're new to the site and it's it makes feels you I think as a user, you're a little more confident knowing that I think I answered everything correctly and I didn't miss anything. I hate that thing when you submit yeah. and it's like the little red asterisk shows up. <laughs> oh, we're getting to that. Yeah. We're getting to that. <laughs> Don't you worry. Uh-huh. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about um, the next thing is provide a visual calendar if you're selecting dates. Oh, um, okay. The, 
the worst thing ever, the worst user experience is if you're asking for a date and you have to, and you make the person put it in manually because they're not going to know what um, what format you want. Oh, yeah, because they're it's, not either, gonna... it's either a backslash or a dash, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, with the errors, we'll get to that, but that could trigger an error or it's just or if it doesn't trigger an error, you know, your your client is just getting this mishmash of date types coming in. So it's always good just to have that little calendar pop up. And what I like to do with a calendar is usually provide two months in one view. There you go. And then arrow over to get to the rest of the months, so on and so forth. So, and now we get to the form errors part. So you're going to want to, you're going to want to minimize form errors as much as possible. And actually this goes for desktop too. This is not just for mobile. Um, there's nothing worse, like you said, than when you <laughs> fill out a form and you get that the red error thing. So what you're going to want to do is make it as kind of pre-formatted as possible. That's where that calendar comes in. So the date format is always the same. Um, or if it's a birthday, you're going to want to just have choices rather than typing it out yourself. If it's a phone number, you should just require – it should be pre-formatted to where like – you know how you've seen when you type in a phone number, it'll just automatically add those yes. the parentheses and the dash. So all they have to type in is just the numeric numbers, and they can see that happening. Um, and the other thing that goes along with this too, and this is particularly um, crucial on mobile, is if there is an error, please don't make people do the whole thing again. Save uh, everything. Yes. There's nothing worse than doing that thing where oh. you, you filled out a shit ton of information. I'm off. And there's one error and everything goes away. Yeah, yeah. you're going to leave at that I'm point. I'm off to the next one. It's a bit of frustration. Unless you really need yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. So keep that in mind. No one likes that. And then, okay, so this is going to be our last uh, main topic here, and that's usability and form factor. Um, so the first thing there is optimize your entire site for mobile. Don't just do... Some of the pages, make sure it's all good. Um, some pages may not need the the total treatment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Pick and no. like if there's a limited budget, pick and choose your battles. Yeah. What I do is, uh, so like I say, I always provide my developer with desktop and mobile views. Having said that, what I usually will do is um, if there's kind of a template or if, or if I know what I've specified out on this one mobile view, my developer can look at all those styles and take it and apply it to the rest of the site, then that's fine. So I kind of give him the bare minimum for him to know what we're going for. But then there's some pages like the About Us page where there's not really anything to do other than just make the site, make the content easily digestible Mm -hmm. on mobile. So, but it should still be responsive no matter what. Um, don't make users pinch to zoom. That's never, yeah. you know what I mean? Like where that's what happens basically when you have a desktop site that's been just put on mobile. I know you have to pinch and you have to angle your phone the other way to kind of get a, a better view of it. Don't, don't make people do that. So just make, make all text as legible as possible. If that means a bigger font size on mobile, do that. Um, if it make, if it means, Images have to be bigger or go on its own line. You know, you know what I mean? Like there'd be some page uh, formats on desktop where there'll be the um, not being able to 
think of my words here for, you know, when you've got an image and you've got the text that kind of um, goes to the side of it and then it'll fill out underneath. Yeah. The image may just oh, have to be yes. on its own space in that case. Um, third thing, make product images expandable. So always, you know, make, if it, all they should have to do is just tap on the picture to get a larger view Again, of it. Again, go to Amazon user for experience. an example. They do it amazing. Exactly. You know? Yep. Um, keep your user in a single browser window. Don't make them open up new uh, windows. The only exception would be if it's an external link. I always recommend opening in a new window um, so that they st stay on your site to some degree. And if, if you need the user's location to... Um, to do to do any serve any purpose. So, like, let's say in that example of the form field where it automatic it knows where you are and it starts filling out your address. Um, usually, in that case, it'll say um, it'll come up with that little pop up, you know, on your iOS, just saying, "Hey, you need to turn on user location services." Mm -hmm. um, you want to make sure they know why. Yeah, because people, some people will be quick to like no, but you need to say uh -huh. like. If you turn it on, then we'll it'll make it for an easier experience filling yeah. this out. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a little bit of confidence feeling when you click that yes thing. You know, you you, you want to know why totally. they're asking for it, and it makes sense. Totally. It mm -hmm. might make your experience a lot easier. So set set that gamble. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Okay. So that's that's all I've got. So if you follow all those rules, um, you know, you'll you'll have a pretty solid user experience on mobile. And your clients will sure appreciate it. And, you know, we're, we're going in that direction more and more. It's, it's becoming so important yeah. to, to be optimized for mobile. And Google does penalize sites if they're not mobile optimized. Um, it's hard to say how much they penalize, you know, user experience type things. It's, I feel mm -hmm. like it's kind of more on the page load speed yeah. aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just knowing it's uh, responsive. Mm -hmm. But but all this you know, falls Google's under getting smarter. This all falls under experience too. Even just your satisfaction of it, your speed of it. Did you you know? So all of it goes mm -hmm. together. And I think these are these tips just really will in, help you kind of making sure you're doing your best best foot forward on these. You know exactly. And you want to increase those conversions for your clients because then you can you'll have a nice little case study for it, and <laughs> you know you can charge more for your next client. Exactly. So. All right, so we've got an audio listener question coming right up, but before we get to that, let's talk about some fresh books because we love them. Yeah, <laughs> Mikhail, you love fresh books. I know I that. Love fresh books. Yes. So, uh, you know, they just make it super easy to uh, send invoices to your clients. Um, you know, and you get paid quickly when you use it. We love that. So it's all new, rebuilt from the ground up, uh, completely redesigned. For the way you work, you know, we sh we got to see the new interface. We've been using it, and it's really designer friendly, even more than the last one. Um, and we love that you can create and send really professional looking invoices in just under thirty seconds. I can speak to that. I do it all the time, and I literally get in there and I'm out before I know it. So, yeah. um, with two clicks, you can set yourself with FreshBooks online payments and end up with money in your pocket sooner. And with FreshBooks payments, over 60% of invoices are paid within one day. One day, I tell you. It works. <laughs> it works. Oh, you sound like our YouTube listener. I know. <laughs> That's all. No, but we, getting paid within one day is like huge. In a world where. Oh my gosh. I wish like net it did so seldom, but it totally does. I know. But FreshBooks, 
will uh, improve your odds. So, and with the new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. Um, you know, all your conversations live in one place, which is awesome. Um, so, multi- and they've got multi-currency invoicing for all you people yeah. that are dealing with people in other countries and automated late payment reminders. What a godsend. I Seriously, still haven't like, used that, which I guess is oh, a good thing. Yeah. Well, did you have a needed? Yeah, you got to. I do it all the time. Like whenever I do an invoice, I just mark that. I check that box saying, yes, please. Yeah. Uh, please bug them. Yeah. And then you don't have to worry about it. It's not until, coming from you. So it, and it, it does that until you mark paid, right? That's how it works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. And if you have any questions at all, they've got award-winning customer service, very friendly, very helpful with no attitude and a real life person answers in three rings or less. They're always there for you. I would say two. Because they're Canadians and Canadians are just the nicest. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> yep. So we've worked out a 30-day unrestricted free trial with FreshBooks.com just for you, our listener. So go to FreshBooks.com slash Deeply Graphic and enter Deeply Graphic Design in the How Did You Hear About a section. Once again, FreshBooks.com slash Deeply Graphic and then enter Deeply Graphic Design in the How Did You Hear About a section and you get 30 free days. Damn. You'll just love it. And then you're on for yeah. the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. And then you're on for the rest oh, of your they, life. They know how to get you with that little bit of crack. First one's free. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And you do it and you're like, gotta get me more of a taste. Yeah, yeah. And you keep coming back, so. But anyway, on to our listener question. We've got an audio one this time. Thank you for sending yeah. this one, Mimi B. That's Mimi B. Mimi B. Is so, he a new Spice yeah. Girl or something? I think so. All right, roll that tape. Hi guys, my name is Michelle, and I'm a graphic designer from Toronto. Okay, so my main bone to pick with graphic design is that basically any Joe with seniority, like whether it's like a client or a manager, and they can basically tell you to make changes based on what they think works. Um, So I'm looking to make the career switch from graphic design to... Um, to UX and UI because I feel like there's more definitive answers with UX and UI. Like, for example, like if a client tells you to change the call to action button to blue and with A-B testing, you already know red works better, you have the leg to stand on as to why red is a better choice. You know what I mean? So would you say that's the case with UX and UI or am I just... Uh, romanticizing a perfect career. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you, Mimi B. That was great. Um, I actually really love this question. Me um, too. It's kind of a big reason why I'm doing things the way I'm doing them. Right. Uh, what, no, what do you guys to- think? This totally speaks to your experience. Yeah. What do you have to say about it, Mikkel? What do you do? You I, think she's I on the right say, track, or I would say that I'm extremely lucky because I do both. And they are absolutely different experiences with, from the service perspective with clients for the very reason that she's talking about. It's what makes the two areas distinct. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? Because I know you don't do any web. Is there an aspect of this that works in your business too? Like yeah. in terms of just like research and we know this works better than this. Yeah. So, my, my feel, so listen to me. I, I think if you are concerned of client pushback and them in general – you're in the wrong industry mm-hmm. completely. I, I don't think changing mm-hmm. from graphic design to just the Shots UI, fired. just the UI UX. <laughs> no, I'm, I want to be really real with her because trust me, it's like you, this is going to happen anywhere you are. But 
to a li- sure. to make the the percentage of that kind of relationship with the client less regardless of what you do in the industry you should be more proactive at the beginning and using all the same if mm-hmm. you're going to use data like she said saying you're going to click the blue button because blue's going to make a person feel you know and there's data behind that you could say the same as far as yeah. what a person's going to purchase on a on a shelf or the entrance of a, or, or, right. of a restaurant when they walk in. There's usability nonetheless. A lot of that stuff works, I think, because it's all about the subconscious and what person, or what, a, what the consumer is thinking. So I, I would challenge her to say, use that same stuff in whatever you feel. That approach. Because lo- to me, it sounds like she was almost saying, I'm going to go mm-hmm. there because it's, I'm not going to get the pushback, but I, I'd rather be doing graphic design, not UI UX. Do what you love to do. That's going to be there anywhere. And it's up to you as a designer. Yeah. And I think to use a lot of what we've talked about in the last year is really being bigger than just a designer and and knowing what that consumer is going to want regardless. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm. think I don't yeah. think it's the answer to her question is to run to another part of design. That's just my thought. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that I'll kind of push back on you about a little bit is that it's not just about kind of pre-knowing mm-hmm. from existing data. She did say... Um, you know, you, these are all things you can test with a website. Correct. You can test them. You yes. can do A-B tests through that button thing again. Like you can have a red button versus a blue button and you can test it. Yes. And if, if, the, if the red button is testing better than the blue button, then guess what, client? You know, the data don't lie versus if you're – it's much more costly to do those kind of tests. If, like in your world, Nick, with packaging. Yeah. There's not, there's not such a thing as – Hey, we're gonna do a, a run of this packaging with, that's in this color, and then we're gonna split test it with this one. That mm-hmm. would just be really you can't you know. But some of my clients have gone can, as far but, as doing you know test groups and 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 sh- groups, and yeah. we show w- with mockups and arranging them in planograms and asking them what they think. I know it's a little more time consuming and maybe even cost effective, but I think too, if let's say you've 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 challenged the client and you said, "Oh, the test show the blue button works great." If that client is, an, mm-hmm. is just that kind of a client, then they're going to move to, well, now we don't like the logo. Oh, it's too big or too small. I, mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. think you're going to eliminate yeah. this at, to the point Sometimes where Sometimes you can't saying, win no matter the... And that's, part the, of, the, that's just the, part of what we do. And I, I find that as yeah. the challenge and mm-hmm. I find that as the thing to really be that fun with sometimes too. So I, don't, mm-hmm. I just don't want her to think that she's going to eliminate that problem 100% moving to a, a whole different factor of UI UX. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. I think, I, but it's, I, but it's not you, a magic. You bring up a great point that test, yeah, testing no. is definitely a lot easier. I, I was just at a conference the other day, and the designers of the Lyft app were talking about how how much the the users and the team they get the betas and they use it, they get credit for Lyft to go out there and use it over and over and over again, and they they can show exactly what what is working and what's not. And I so I get that, and I I'm, I admire that they get that instant you know kind of stuff and who can argue against that i i get that too but i'm trying to find ways in my area of design to to that the client goes if we uh, if we agree to those things up up front after we've done everything hopefully that eliminates a lot of those change for change sake or their personal preference coming into play and not thinking of the persona of the person so it, yeah. I, maybe it's just because a lot of that's fresh in my mind i'm really i'm i i i my sure. opinion is where I'm at, but I totally get what you're saying too. You know, you can test it mm-hmm. and that's a cool, cool feature. It's nice to have in your back mm-hmm. pocket, uh, data like that. But I would say also, um, like what you were saying, Nick, any project you start, make sure that the, the, 
you lay out the groundwork very early and often that this is not for you. We, whenever you bring anything up in discovery or whatever, you're always talking about the end user. What can we do to make this a success in their eyes, something they're going to respond to? And the more you kind of hammer that over and over again, and you make sure that in the very beginning, the benchmark for success you want them to say it in their own words. Like you want to make sure, okay, just so we're clear, the benchmark for, for success here is not that you, this website or this packaging gives you the client warm, fuzzy feelings. Mm-hmm. It's that it does something for your business. Yeah. So make sure that that expectation is met up front. And having said that, there will be certain people. Um, you guys heard my story last week about the client I had to fire who just never got on board with that vision. Like he... I think he kind of knew that that was the important thing, but he never quite knew it. Mm-hmm. He still f- wanted things to look good for him. Um, and that's yeah, just so a recipe for, for audience disaster. member vision. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure your clients know up front that that's what the, or ask them. Don't just tell them, say, what would make this project a success? And they're generally never going to say, I have to love it. They're going to usually say, <laughs> it has to get me more business. So then you have to respond with, okay, perfect. It has to get you more business. That means that you may not love everything, but we have to ask ourselves in every decision we make, is this fulfilling that objective mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I'm still trying to break myself of this a little bit, would never ask your client, never put anything in the phrase of, let me know your thoughts on like how how do you like this? That should never be the question. Yeah, and I've made oh, because that's man, inviting that's so, subjectivity. So smart, dude. And like I, I gotta admit, because I'm just practicing everything we've been really preaching over this last year with this new sense of kind of upfront stuff, and I've eliminated that completely. And what that what like that, what do you what's you, how do you phrase it? What do you say? Oh, oh, I just say, hey, take a look at this. It matches everything we've agreed upon. And sometimes what I'll do mm. in my PDFs because it's still so flat and 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 presented in a way where it needs to be approved in that way i will put call outs and lines pointing to specific areas and say this emphasizes mm-hmm. point one or pillar two or whatever it is this is cool gray because we talked about it needing to look modern and clean and less of you know so call those points out and then mm-hmm. I, and i still say this i'll write it at the very end let me know your thoughts and then i i hit the backspace and i'm <laughs> like nope this is it yeah and now you're more right. of a the professional and the consultant rather than just the pixel pusher. So if we're going right. to, we really want to, to change that conversation, you can't keep asking. You're right. You can't keep asking that. What do you guys think? Let me know your thoughts. We're so in, that's just so engraved in how I sign off on an email. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a bad habit that <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we all have. And I'm, again, I'm still trying to erase it from my vocabulary. Like there's, you, you have to put that, a di- that question a different way. Exactly. So it becomes not subjective anymore. It's not like, hey, how pretty do you think this yeah. is? Do you like That's, that new? That do you like this be... new green? No. It, yeah. it should be. You should have talked about that before to know that that answers all the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Mimi. Um, so keep sending in those listener questions to questions at thedeependdesign.com or via Twitter using hashtag DGDC. And uh, be like Mimi B and give us an audio <laughs> question. <laughs> We love that. All right. So, um, yeah, follow us on Instagram at Deeply Graphic. Any uh, other plugs you guys want to throw out or you good? Ready for the weekend? Um, Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Totally ready.
All right. Well, let's weekend then. With that in mind, keep designing. Catch us next time on the Deeply Graphic Design Cast.